Hey, everybody. You know, Mark and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, heal betrayal trauma, and reclaim your relationship. And we've poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and the tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you've done on your journey for healing and recovery, you've never done anything like this. You know, Mark and I, we've made all the mistakes, so you don't have to. Don't reinvent the wheel. We all know tomorrow never comes. Look, don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Hey everyone, Mark and Steve on the PBSE podcast. This is episode 208. And you'll notice it's got a pretty hard punching title. Can emotional cheating be worse than sexual betrayal? And yeah, that title has, I don't know, a dozen meanings that could be subscribed to it. So as you can all tell, it's going to be a light podcast today. Yes, a really light podcast today on a very minor topic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're going to go ahead and read what was submitted to us. This was from uh, the the spouse or partner uh, of an addict. We don't know whether he's in recovery or not, uh, but she sent us a really vulnerable and heartfelt uh, description and and set yeah. of yeah, here we go. And uh, I, I'm actually really excited for this topic because I know I've got a lot to say. And I, Mark is definitely loaded for bear today. He's gonna, he'll talk about that in a minute. We, we, we're, he's rocking the passion today. So everybody, take. It's like when you're, it's like when you're the baseball game and you see like the star hitter come up. Everybody take like five steps back because this ball's going far. That's, 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 that's he's ready to roll today. So here we go. All right, so this comes from a partner. You may have already covered uh, this during previous episodes, and I have just not been able to find it, but could you do a podcast on emotional cheating? This was a big part of my relationship and devastated me more than finding out about his pornography habits. This woman wasn't something he turned to occasionally. She was someone he contacted daily, all day, even much earlier in the morning than I'd hear from him, while he was lying in bed next to me, as soon as he'd leave my side. He claims it was not an intimate connection, just his codependent need for validation but I'm not sure I believe that. Regardless, she's now in every memory I had with him, even the ones I thought were good, which brings me great pain. To make matters worse, it was with his ex-wife, who he he co-parents with, so he was unable to cut ties on the person he was cheating with. I'd love to hear expert advice on how to heal from it. I'm already journaling and seeking support, taking care of myself and mental health, doing all the things one can to move past it. 
but I wake up every day with a literal pain in my heart that's so heavy. I carry it around like a rock in my chest all day. I had not previously believed people when they said emotional cheating can be worse, but I do now. Maybe you can also touch on how to on how too much contact with someone who's not your partner can be damaging so that addicts understand what that what it is as well. I'm sure partners could benefit from all of this. Thank you so much. Wow. Oh, it's so hard. Oh, wow. Yeah, when I read this, it 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 just hit me like whoosh, right right in my chest. Yes. And I'll tell yeah. you why because I tended during all the addiction decades to be the guy she's talking about. And one of my deepest deepest regrets I, and I've worked, I've done a lot of shame resilience work. And, and when I feel this today, I feel it rather than shame in my head telling me I'm a loser and it's my identity. I do feel a great deal of deep, heartfelt regret where it's kind of like, ugh, all those years and all those decades that I missed out on emotionally, emotional, intimate connection and contact with my wife because I was getting it elsewhere. Mm, yeah. Is it, yeah. I deeply, deeply regret that because, because my, my, my partner is an amazing person. She has deep things to say. She's, she's highly compassionate and intuitive. She's just an incredibly awesome person to share with. And I missed out on that for a really long time. And the worst part was, is that she was kind of left in, uh, kind of just left off by herself. And she didn't get to have that connection either while I was up, while I was off getting it from other sources. Yeah. And I have deep, deep regrets about that. Mm. So as we start into that, into this conversation today, you know, Steve, you and I, you and I both have a great deal to say about this. We hope that all the addicts in recovery uh, or, or, you know, guys who might be facing this, who are listening, please, please, please be very aware of your resistance meter today. So you're hearing us. We're not, we're not attacking you. This isn't a, you know, get down on, get down on, you know, the guy's day, but it does come up from a very heartfelt place of please don't go and either repeat our mistakes or continue to repeat them because you're missing out on, on the best intimacy of your life. Mm. If you resist what you're going to hear today. So take a minute, open yourselves up because you're about to hear from two guys who are just want to just want to help you and your partners avoid terrible pain and missing out on what could be a really beautiful thing. Mm, yeah. So, uh, I, I, this is a, it's a great, uh, topic. We, we, our hearts do good go out to this partner. Um, there's a lot to say. So well, yeah, let's just, let's, let's, let's jump right in. We really appreciate her reaching out. Um, so before we really jump into a discussion about emotional cheating, we really have to talk about what is intimacy first. Um, that's going to be definitely an important starting point because obviously the rest of this topic has to do with what's violating that right in one relationship versus another. So for some of you, this is old, old hat news because we talk about this often, but if you're tuning in for the first time, or maybe as a reminder, uh, intimacy is way more than just sex. Uh, Mark and I both very much grew up in a world where that's when people said we were intimate, that's kind of what that was just implying. Right. Even even today, if I was to go do a random poll in a busy place and I walked up to random probably people, true. when you hear the word being intimate, what do you think of? Yeah, most, most people are going to think of sex. Most would say sex. 
Yeah, no, you're right. It's very true, right? Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is intimacy is, that is just one form of intimacy. In fact, on our Dare to Connect program for addicts, spouses, and couples, one of the main tenets that we teach is uh, something that Mark put together years and years ago called the eight areas of intimacy. Yeah. Um, there's a whole list on that. And we've even done podcast episodes on some of those basic concepts, but, and, and physical intimacy is just uh, both sexual and non-sexual physical intimacy are just two of those. Two of the so, eight. Yeah. yeah. So there's a whole list of dynamics with where that can happen. And when we connect with another person on an intimate level, intimacy in and of itself is whether it's in a physical sense or an emotional sense, it is the, opening up and sharing of oneself with another person. Yes. Right. To whatever degree that we do that. When you look at the sexual act, for example, it is a little physical opening up and sharing with another person. Right. right? And on an emotional level, it's the exact same thing. Yeah. And the, so when we talk about sex, intimacy, oh, I was yeah, say the sexual side, you know, there's so many metaphors in that sexual side. I am, I am disrobing, uncovering, taking yes. my outward protections and, and, and coverings to expose myself to you. Rather than letting people just see, rather than letting you see what I let the rest of the world see, I'm letting you see all my imperfections. I oftentimes tell clients, like, there's that, there's that, uh, there's Steve's pear-shaped muffin top that he can hide really well with his shirts. There's, there's Steve's Tweety Bird tattoo that he got, got when he was drunk in high school on his thigh, you know, that nobody knows about or, <laughs> you know, right? The emotional equivalence of those, that's what we're doing when we practice intimacy, right? I'm, I'm sharing those parts of me that, I don't otherwise expose to other people either out of a concern for safety or a lack of desire to do so. And so I'm doing that when I get emotionally connected with somebody. It's also important, and this addresses the first concern that I, I'm hearing from this, this partner that according to the spouse who wrote in, he's using this to justify this. You know, he says, it's, he says that this was, uh, let's say, da, 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 da. He says it was just his codependent need for validation. That's all it was. Yes, that it wasn't that it wasn't uh, actual intimacy. Mm -hmm. We're going to lovingly but firmly say that those can both be true. I can be absolutely intimate with another person while doing that in a codependent and needy way. The fact that it was my codependency or neediness has no bearing on whether or not I was emotionally. Uh, engaging in, in in emotional cheating with another person. Now that this guy may not want to hear that, but that is the reality of of the situation. And in um, fact, the reason that that we will often turn to emotionally uh, being emotionally intimate with another person that's not our partner is because of our codependence, exactly because of our unhealthy need for validation. It's probably the number one catalyst for that to happen. So yep. trying to trying to delineate between those two is a folly. Um, they are not they are not linked at all. Right. And, and so, um, so that, that's the first thing to know. I, and, and it's important to note that there are, we're going to talk about kind of two topics here today. We're going to talk about emotional, emotional cheating, right? But then there's the other side of this. We didn't really give this a, a phrase, um, but it's, it's the non-romantic equivalent of that, where we can compromise boundaries and, and parts of our intimacy and the exclusivity of a relationship with other people and other things. Yes. It isn't even just people. All right. I have a number of guys that I work with, for example, where, you know, in a non-romantic way, many spouses feel like they are really competing for their husband's time with the game console attached to their TV. For example. Yeah. What did we have? The old sayings, golf widow, football widow. Yes. Fishing widow, hunting widow. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, she, she gets left behind and he goes off and, and finds the connections that, that he, that he, you know, yearns for and wants. 
Absolutely. So we're going to talk all about that. We're Sorry, I kind of got us ahead of ourselves, but <laughs> we're going to get into all that in just a minute. So we just want to establish that, okay? Um, when we talk about, so when we talk about intimacy, that's the case. We obviously, this podcast is, a direct, uh, is addressed to those who struggle with sexual addiction or sexual compulsion, right? And sexual addiction is a dysfunctional outgrowth. It's one way to look at it, at least. Of a, It's a dysfunctional outgrowth of a desire to, one, procreate, and two, connect with others. Uh, but then using uh, that capacity, right, in a sexual and emotional sense, to either medicate or escape, right, from various life stressors, problems, issues, one's own life in general, right, et cetera. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so all of us, uh, all of us have been at, I, from, from that perspective, every guy out there, one could make the case for, we have all engaged, at least gone down the road of emotional cheating to some degree, maybe not with another person per se. Right. But we have devoted in various progressive ways, parts of ourselves that should have been exclusive. And we promised would be exclusive with a partner, other places. Right. Um, and when we talk about emotional cheating, you know, emotional cheating is one of those things that's really hard to like concretely define. So we created a definition. <laughs> yep. Here we go. Here's <laughs> and we're just going to read it off for you. It's about as comprehensive as you can make it, as you can make a nebulous topic. Okay. And this is how Steve and Mark here at PBSC and Dare to Connect would define that. Forming relationships with another person or another thing. That cross established emotional boundaries that are connected with established intimate boundaries. Yes, established intimate, sorry, intimate boundaries that are connected with the promised exclusivity of a committed relationship. Ooh, that is a that that is a mouthful, but everyone listening needs to go back and carefully consider every part of that definition. We'll just read it one more time. Forming relationships with another person or another thing that cross established intimate boundaries that are connected with the promised exclusivity. Of a committed relationship. And this right. is this is where my deep, deep regret comes in. Mm. How did I get into the relationship with my with my spouse, with my partner? I got into that relationship promising her that there that the deepest level of, of emotional, physical, spiritual intimacy and connection would be exclusively reserved for her. If we're going to be honest, you know, the dating, the courting, the leading up to the, you know, the final commitment of the relationship, is that not what I promised? I will reserve my deepest connections. I will reserve the showing of my deepest self, both my body, my emotions, my spiritual center. I'm reserving that deepest level of allowing another to see me. That is reserved for you my partner, yes. my wife, my spouse, that will be exclusively for you going forward. Yeah, no, absolutely. Right. And, and, and I kind of tend to look at this in fuel, in the fuel analogy, when I talk to clients about this, cause we've, I've never defined it quite this way. And I really like the definition that we came up with. Um, cause that's, that's, that's probably the most solid one I've ever seen. But the way that I say this usually with somebody is like kind of through the car analogy, Right. In my marriage, what have I, I may, I may, I try to give the very best parts of myself where I can in all these other relationships, but the, the nitrous oxide, the high grade end fuel, the high end fuel, that gas tank, I need to be reserving that primarily for my partner. Yes. Right? The, the best parts of me. The best parts of me, the deepest parts of me. Yes. Now we would look at that and say, well, Mark, I mean, isn't that all assumed that you're going to. You're going to exclusively save the best parts of you, the deepest part for your partner, both physically, emotionally, et cetera. You would assume that. So one would ask, well, then why, 
why too often don't we? Mm. And I yeah. think that's a really important thing to look. I'll tell you what it was for me. I was terrified of showing my deepest parts of myself to, to, to my spouse, even physically, even physically. I mean, I, I have a significant birth defect that I had, you know, when I was born, that's, it's, you wouldn't know until I take off my shirt, but I was very embarrassed about that. That's why for a lot of the first years of our marriage, um, sex was kind of awkward, embarrassing, and shameful. Mm. So yeah. it's one of the reasons I turned to pornography to, to get out of that awkwardness. Cause I didn't have to show myself to anybody with porn. Mm. The other part was I was scared to death that if I took off all my emotional masks and all of my outward pretenses and showed her all of me, she would reject that. She would reject the whole real authentic mark. So what did I do? I, I reserved my, I, I, I was reserved with her. I didn't show her all of me. I didn't communicate all of my deepest feelings and sharings, including the good, the bad, and the ugly. I didn't, I held it back because I was, yeah. I was afraid of intimacy. Yes. So had not doing that with her, what did I then do? I often went to other people that I had known longer, people that I was more comfortable with, people that where the risk wasn't so great, and I would share with them. Yes. So siblings, siblings, high school buddies, guys I met on the, you know, in sports, um, you know, workout buddies. Um, you know, all the different places where I could share parts of myself where it wasn't so scary. It wasn't risky. I didn't have to come home to them. Right? I, didn't, I didn't have to be with them. And so I gave a lot of that emotional capacity and fuel and realness away to others because I was too scared to give it fully to her. Yes. No. And I love, I love how you said that Mark and, 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 and uh, one thing that you said in there, I think, is going to kind of cover some of the bases with this particular situation. You know, that the element of where there was less at risk, right? Less risk, yeah. Uh, there was less risk, and and because sometimes we do form these kinds of relationships with people that we're really close to. Sometimes, though, it's actually the opposite. Sometimes it is with somebody where there is way less on the line, right? And and the risk. The risk is tertiary in some ways. Yeah, a coworker, so, uh, somebody yeah. at church, somebody you know, I'd write all the you know more, more sort of surface relationships. Yeah, absolutely, right. And so, and so, we have to be on the lookout at, at any time for this. And this is probably part where I think it would be good to pause and 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 we do want to extend some some empathy for this guy and other guys who may find themselves in this situation. Being in a relationship. A co-parenting relationship with an ex is a tricky business to navigate. That is tough. It's just, it goes without saying. Uh, one, because, you know, you obviously have to co-parent. You can't cut the relationship off as was indicated in this, you know, in this uh, in this submission. But even more than that, and and this is really difficult. If this, again, we don't know if this guy is an addict per se, although it sounds like it, it was implied at the beginning of it or not. Addicts, we struggle with many things, but a universal qualification of being an, an addict is historically having poor boundaries. And walking back a relationship that has been a physically and emotionally intimate one where you created a family, created kids together, built a life together, and walking that back now to just a co-parenting space, I would imagine going off of the experience and the training that I've got working with clients in that in that arena would take not just an initial, but a lot of ongoing discipline and reforming of boundaries, probably on a fairly consistent basis. I, yeah, you, I mean, think of all that history. 
Yes. All the history that you carry with you. And now what now you're giving your exclusive self and entering to into a new relation, a new committed relationship. And that prior relationship with all of that intimate history, you are now dialing that back. Yes. It's like, wow. And so we, and so we can very much connect with some of the difficulties there, but, and here's the, but yet, and it is a a big, it is a big, but our favorite phrase on dare to connect is those may be reasons, but they cannot be used as excuses. No. Okay. We connect with the difficulty, but that doesn't, that doesn't give any ground or quarter to be creating that kind of uh, scenario in your relationship or marriage. And, and what we're going to talk about next in terms of steps of getting out of this is absolutely requirement. And I'm just going to try to speak to this guy as far as I might be able to jump into his head without any mind reading. Cause we know that's not possible but just kind of accessing my own addict brain from the past. The fact that you had an intimate relationship with this person on that level and the fact that you have kids with them now does not extend that relationship either physically or emotionally any special privileges. Right. That's important that you are are forming. If you're going to really make change here and create a relationship and an uh, an intimate relationship that your partner is needing, if that's something that you're willing to do, those boundaries are going to have to become ironclad. Okay? Because, because if we're facing the, the stark reality of this, what did this guy do? Yes, he was in a, a prior marriage. Yes, they had children. Yes, there's a whole history there. But he promised exclusivity in a new committed to relationship. To this new partner. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. She, you, this is the mother of your children, and we know that, and you, and she, that obviously should and can and ought to command respect, but not at the cost of your primary relationship. That is not okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we, I shouldn't say it's not okay. It's not con- I, that. That would be a moral judgment. I apologize. It's not conducive to the relationship that you're signing up for here. At least that your partner's needing. Right. Right. <clears throat> um. And so let's 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 do kind of jump a little bit into this a little bit more. These. These relationships, right? Uh, you know, so if if we if we look at this a little bit deeper, right? Relationships may not even have a romantic element, right? But again, they can still very much compromise those intimate boundaries. Okay. So if we look at other examples for others who may be listening to this, like like the quick example I gave, it could be the Xbox console. It could be his favorite bar. It could be, like Mark said, it could be a sport. It could anything can be taken to excess. Right. And can move up the totem pole in terms of where emotional reserves and emotional energy goes sufficient enough to where it starts to begin to compromise, like Mark's Mark is really well put, the exclusive nature of that relationship. And right. you and I had a couple of bullets right here in our pre-production. One we said, I am robbing my partner of valuable collaboration and connection, yes. seeking the ease of trying to discuss these issues with others. Yes easier to to go outside the partnership to give this intimate part of myself to someone else. There's right. It's tough to do it as, as husband and wife, as partners, there's a great risk to it. We, 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 we collide with each other. We have to lean into the uncomfortable. Often two realities need to exist at the same time. This is, this is not easy stuff. Well, can I put, um, this might be bad. I'm putting Mark on the spot because we didn't talk about doing this, but I know he's got a lot of passion about this. Like you were talking earlier, Mark, about how you, you know, you had to make this shift with the dawn. Yes. Right. Because, and and again, because of understandable things, right? You had a, you have a childhood and a background that taught you what? 
opening up to people, not cool. No. <laughs> Being no. vulnerable with people, exposing yourself in, 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 in ways is scary and in some, some ways dangerous. So how did you make that transition with, with LaDawn? Well, part of the, the first part of this, and this gets into what you and I have outlined here in the what to do about this. Oh, sorry. I'm probably jumping. Again. No, it's actually, <laughs> it's a good time to jump into this, right? That I had, I had to come to a place where I was willing to open my mind and my heart to own what I was doing because I was in big resistance and denial that that's what was happening. I'm not giving myself, I'm not doing emotional intimacy. Are you crazy? Right. That's not happening. But what, what, what did my wife come to me and say? She says, she said, I observe how you interact with your buddies and you're open and you're, you, you tell them all kinds of things. You guys laugh and joke and you have this incredible, awesome, intimate relationship with them that I'm desperate to have with you. I see you do it with them. And then when you come to me, you're stoic and closed off and defensive. Why can't I have, why can't we have what you have with your buddies? Yes. That was a big deal. And me, me coming to the place where I was willing to hear that and face up to it and own it. I, we couldn't, she and I couldn't move any farther till I did that. And that was hard. It was hard mm. to and face. I'm like, fine. I was like, you know what? Wow. And what helped me do it? Learning what empathy was. Mark, can you put yourself in your wife's shoes and, and look through her eyes to see you with your buddies? What is that like for her? Mm. And then you come home to her and she doesn't enjoy one, even a small part of what she saw you doing with those guys. What would that be like? And I was like, whoa. Oof. Yeah. We're burning our best selves up on the best part of ourselves up on these other people and it leaves nothing left for the other the other person. Right. I'm right. Because using up my emotional energy with others in an imbalanced way, which comes at the cost of my primary intimate relationship. Absolutely. Well, and, and let's give a real-time example. I'll extend on the video game example. Okay. I think I've said this on the podcast before. My wife is the most not nonviolent, caring, loving person I've ever met. I have heard Brittany threaten physical violence in a serious way one time in our marriage. Mm. And it was when one day we were in the living room and out of nowhere, she looked at the Xbox and she said, some days I really fantasize about taking that and smashing it until I'm tired. <laughs> it's the only time I've ever heard her say anything like that ever wow. in our whole relationship. And I've seen Brittany <clears throat> uber pissed, but that was the one time I've ever seen, seen her go that r route. And and I could see why looking back now, because at the time I had a crazy unhealthy relationship with video games. It was hands down a secondary addiction for me. A hundred percent. I would say, and here's, and here's the point that I was trying to make because it was robbing her on both in two ways. The first is what I've already listed where I'd spend hours upon hours playing. Right. So my wife is missing out on connection with me on that end. But then what's the next piece? I stay up till what? Two, three, four p.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m. a few times. That's no exaggeration back in the day for Steve. I would stay up doing that kind of thing all the time with, with, with like a video game, for example. So not only on like a Friday night. So my wife has been kind enough to let me go spend time with buddies and get connection there or whatever it is I'm doing. Some of that's healthy. Some of it's definitely not if I'm taking it to that extreme. And then what's her reward? The next day, I'm like a freaking zombie all day the, day, the one day off we have together. Mm-hmm. So she's losing on both ends. Mm -hmm. I've, I've burned up all that energy. I, I, I used it all up on Call of Duty or some other useless nonsense for 
however many hours before, and now she's got a shell of a husband to go do right. stuff with on Saturday. Right. Right. Yeah, so so be, you can you can see how how spouses get burned in multiple ways in this arena. Absolutely. There's so many ways that that crossing these boundaries are just have such an impact. And if we and if we as we finish up, because I know we're 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 getting past our time. What do you do? Yeah. Where First do thing Steve and I talked about was those of you who are being quote left out and, and feeling abandoned in all of this, as your partner goes off and, and expends his or her emotional energy elsewhere, you need to start getting into the place where you're setting and holding clear boundaries and relationship expectations. Here's what I need from you partner in order, in order for me to feel like I can be in this relationship. Here are my emotional needs. Here, here, here's what this needs to look like for me. And if it doesn't change, here is what the outcome is going to look Precisely. like. Precisely. I'm not willing to keep living like this. Now, I was the one that put this step at the beginning of this, Kay. And, and even as I say it, I, I feel like we just need to mention something really quick. We understand, and Mark and I very much recognize that ideally this should not be step one in this process. No. Okay? In a perfect world, it ought to be the boundary violator, right? Or emotional betrayer, or whatever term best fits this particular scenario, one's particular scenario. Obviously, in a perfect world, they should be the one waking up and saying, you know what, this isn't okay. And I need to make changes and I and I need to make amends and I need to and we need to do some things drastically different here because this is wrong. But speaking from experience, in and out of my clinic. I can tell you that usually that is not the case. Usually, sadly, change is usually prompted in this arena by the partner loving the relationship enough to, to saying some tough things and saying, look, I can't control you, but I can tell you what's going to happen if you don't change this. Because this is, and Mark, actually, you want to give your example of what LaDon said to you is a great example. Oh my gosh. After, after, really a couple of decades of her being left out and me going ex- and expending my emotional connection elsewhere. She just came to me one night. Uh, I've never seen her like this since, but this is when she, when she gained her, I think I, I like to say she gained her true authenticity and to speak her truth. She just looked at me and said, I just am not feeling seen and heard in this relationship. You're off doing all these things with everyone else. and." I'm just not willing to be in this space anymore. Mm. I love you and I care about you. I consider you my best friend, but the way this is going, I'm not willing to do this anymore. And quite frankly, it's almost like I'm raising a little boy and I need a man. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> which is, which is tough talk, right? But it, there, but there was a vulnerability there. And my story looks very similar to that when I had to break out of some, some maladaptive behaviors, but we that's that's there. Uh, this is where a spouse, sadly, unfortunately, it does fall to them. Sometimes, if we're going to initiate change, again, you can't control them, and we would ex, ex, we would really invite you not to try because we know that that's so natural, and that's where codependency and trauma and all the things we talk about on this podcast that's where they kick in. But not controlling him by the same. While we always tell clients, do not try to control him. We also say, if anything, dial up the message of how because he needs to be 100% accountable and aware of what exactly is on the line here. Yes. If you're going to make these choices, then you're going to make these choices, but I am not going to pull punches when it comes to you knowing exactly what 
how this trajectory, if we don't change it, is going to go. And then, and then, the, and then, in this example, the guy has has a decision to make. Yes, am I going to now step into a place of ownership and accountability, as as you know the boundary violator here, or am I going to resist and deny and defend and deflect, and continue to take that approach, or or what? And if I do take that other approach and not go to a place of ownership and accountability, now I've placed my partner in a position where. She, in this example, has decisions to make. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, right? Um, at some point in time, and the order of this is where this gets a little bit muddled because sometimes this happens now at this point in the stage or maybe it's later, maybe it's even earlier. At some point, a discussion needs to happen in the coupleship about damage that has been done. What amends are needed on the part of, of the person who's, who's done the damage? as well as the process for how that is actually going to happen, mm -hmm. a follow through with that, mm -hmm. right? Because, because when, we, when we take on this level in a relationship, regardless of the reasons, whether it's because of addiction and the sickness tied to it or whatever, again, reasons don't diminish accountability. They give context and they can help elicit empathy, but they do not remove or diminish accountability. And, and so I need to, as that person, be the one to stand up and say, yeah, these are the things that tell me what you need. Here's how I can realistically meet those. And here's the process for it. This is how I'm going to be accountable for it. This is how we're going to handle it. Right. Yeah. And yep. then as we kind of wrap it up right here, right. Then the coupleship from that point on, they now need to, in concert with what her expectations and needs are, ideally assuming he's willing, uh, this is when a coupleship comes together and collaborates and says, okay. What sorts of boundaries do we set here, firstly, for the short term while we're rebuilding trust? Because oftentimes they look much more stringent out the gate, and that is fine. Um, but also in the long term, right? What are healthy boundaries going to look like? What's what's an appropriate accountability system for those boundaries? Are those going to be things that are checked in on during, during for example, couples check-ins? Who's going to do it? Right? Who's going to take the proactive role in that? We obviously suggest that the betrayer, quote unquote, is the one that is doing that uh, for obvious reasons. Um, and that's that's part of the immense process is showing up and and leading out in the relationship going forward. If that's something that he's willing to do in, in terms of reestablishing that connection, creating that trust and rebuilding that exclusivity that we've been talking about here, because Rebuild. that is been I love that it's been the name of the game. Right. That's like it's like. Pee Wee Herman's funhouse here, and that's been the magic word today. Rebuilding <laughs> the exclusivity that was originally promised and assumed. Yes. Yeah. And 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 as we close up, you know, a real practical example of this uh, with my wife, when I would, and we're 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 recording this during the holidays. Holiday time was me was a time I would get with extended family, and what would happen? The, I, I had this whole history with my extended family. And I would emotionally connect with them in some very dysfunctional ways. And who got left out of that entire process and circle? My wife. Mm -hmm. So we go to a Mark's family party. Mark would abandon Ladon and go connect with his siblings and his, his mom and all these people. And, it's, and in, in lots of ways, my personality would change. I'd become another person when I got with them. And she ended up get, getting left out in, in, in the cold and even sometimes attacked in which I would participate in some ways, siding with them against her because I was emotionally connected to them. I had all this history and this investment with them. We had to come to a place where I owned that, first of all, 
heard and acknowledged and leaned into her pain and feelings about it. And then, and then we talked about what are going to be the boundaries going forward at those family events. How will I stay exclusive to you? How will I show up as your protector at all costs? What will that look like? Mm. We have much different boundaries and I am a much different person when I'm in those family settings. Now I can tell you, right? Me and her going in as a, as a committed exclusive couple and facing whoever else is there shoulder to shoulder, side by side, no exceptions. Mm. So there's just one example of how this works. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. That's awesome. Absolutely. Well, guys, as always, we we love tackling difficult topics with you. We hope that you're having a happy holiday season if you're listening to this, you know, right after it's recording. And uh, for those who are listening after the fact, we hope that you're finding hope and healing in whatever venues of recovery you are pursuing. Um, if you are looking to level up your recovery, please get your wonderful, yours and your spouse's awesome selves. <laughs> into dare to connect uh we are offering a two-week trial uh for that uh and there is no better way uh to come and level up your recovery take it to a new to a new level it's no secret we we all like to make uh you know changes at the beginning of a new year and and we'll have a whole podcast about that next time um or something similar but uh but we hope that uh one of those changes that you'll make is taking your recovery to the next level and if and give it a shot. See if Dare to Connect can be a, a place to help do that for you. We've got hundreds of couples literally who have found that it is and and who have been there in some cases for years now. And we hope that you'll come join us and, and see what the excitement is about. There's nothing quite like it. So please come and join us. You can find more. You can grab that free trial at uh, daretoconnectnow.com. And as always, if you uh, would like to send in submissions for the podcast, we are quite bogged down here. Um, we've got about a couple of months lined up of podcast episodes, but we would love to get those submissions from you at pbcpodcast.com. And of course, if you'd like those answered quicker, more exclusively and more in depth, Dr. Connect is a great place to do it. <laughs> anyway. That's right. All right <laughs> we everybody. love you guys. Have a great rest of your day, okay? Take care. <laughs> Bye-bye. Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.